we open inside a vast lair. A Nissan Rogue speeds toward a gigantic door, closing fast. Our hero says, I know this seems like your typical narrow escape, but it's not. This is a Nissan sales event ad. The doors inch closer. Will she make it? Determined, she grips the wheel and hits the gas. The turbocharged Rogue squeezes through just as the giant doors clang shut. There's no escaping summer savings during the Nissan Summer Event. Now get 1.9% financing for 36 months on the 2022 Nissan Altima. Availability is limited, so contact your local dealer for inventory information and shop NissanUSA.com. Hurry before these offers get away. For well-qualified buyers, 1.9% APR financing for 36 months on new 2022 Altima and dealer stock. Example, 36 months financing at $28.60 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary, subject to in-mac credit approval and residency restrictions. Dealer contribution may affect price set by dealer. Dealer sets actual price. Contact dealer for details. N7522. The Rovers Chat YouTube channel is proudly sponsored by SixYardsOut.com. They've got retro football from every era with mugs, phone cases and much more. They also have plenty of Rovers goods including apparel with the famous 94-95 season and this season's kit. Check them out using the link in the description below. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 1875 podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom Schofield, and I'm joined by the brilliant Oliver Howarth and Alex Lomax. Today, we bring to you a contract special with a few of your questions chucked in at the end for good measure. Um, A quick reminder that if you are watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. We are currently on 825 subs, and I know that Oliver and Alex would agree with me here. We'd love to hit 1,000 as soon as possible. Um, as I said, though, before we get started, I'd obviously like to thank our sponsors, Six Yards Out, who you saw in the introduction there. Um, Alex, Ollie, before we jump into the podcast, um, the meat and drink of it, um, how are you both? Alex, you first. Well, I've just moved from a Tier 1 area to a Tier 3 area, as you can probably tell with the background change and also the streets going down my screen. So that's just a lighting issue, everyone. It was either complete darkness or that, so sorry about that, guys. But the, the um, lesser of two evils there for Alex, just yeah. streaks in the background, yeah. I thought you said streaks think... at first, so I was a bit confused what you meant streaks <laughs> for, but then you said streaks. I think I think for some people the total darkness would have been a better option, but, uh, you know, it's fine. <laughs> right. I thought, you know, I'd show my face at least. So, yeah, yeah, I'm good, Tom, are you? Don't put yourself down, Alex. I'm good as well, thank you. It's um, good to be back recording one of these. Um, Ollie, and yourself? Uh, yeah, about to move into tier three, I think. So I've got that to look forward to. Um, and yeah, well, looking forward to tomorrow. Got a feeling we might win. It's about time we beat one of the better sides. So feeling feeling good about tomorrow. Of course, at the time of recording, it is Norwich tomorrow. So if this does come out after that, um, Ollie, it's your fault oh, if yeah. we don't win. <laughs> yeah, I've called it then. You've called it. Um, hopefully, when you listen to this, we have we have been celebrating um, a yeah. victory um, against Norwich. Um, so the nasties out of the way. Let's just get tucked straight into the contract situation at Rovers. Um, as a the pre bit to speaking, boys, we have made mistakes in the past with contracts. Conor Horn is one that that springs to mind, and I feel like there's the chance that we're making the same mistakes again. So there's a, I think there's 12, 13, 13 players out of contract. Although, of course, we do have the option on a few of those. Um, so, just to list them off uh, briefly Bradley Dack, Joe Rothwell, Ryan Niambi, Bradley Johnson, Lewis Hultby, Derek Williams, Joe Rankin Costello, Elliot Bennett, Corey Evans, Stuart Downing, and Harry Chapman. Um, of course, there's the three loans as well. You know, Harvey Elliott's on tribal and Barry Douglas will be returning to their parent clubs at the end of the season, um, as well as Charlie Mulgrew. But as we probably know, his robust career is over. Um, it does look pretty bleak, doesn't it? Um, especially with Mowbray saying that there's a stumbling blocks due to COVID um, and we are at risk of losing some crucial players. I think Bradley Dack, the one that probably stands out, as well as Ryan Niambi. Um, and speaking of Ryan Niambi, he's actually the player I want to speak about first. And it's not necessarily about the contract situation I'm going to jump into with you here, Ollie. Um, but is there a better right-back in the Championship than... Um, Rovers number two, Ryan Niambi? It's a good question. I think on 
the start of the season pod, I think I said something along the lines of there aren't many better than him in the division. I think Rich Sharp said something similar in the Langs Telegraph. Um, he's definitely up there. It, I think there's only a few other names I think that would spring to mind. I think you've probably got is it yeah? Uh, Max Aaron's at Norwich. I think he's a pretty good player and he's had a season in the Premier League. Um, Keiko Feminier at Watford. I think he's been in and out of the side with injuries last year, but I think he's always a fullback that I've thought looks pretty good and he seems seemed very comfortable in the Premier League. Probably the only other one would be Carl Norton. A um, bit more experienced. You know, he's had time at Tottenham and Swansea and a few other clubs and plenty of Premier League experience and I think they look at those three and they certainly offer a very good balance between defensive solidity but also have offer quite a lot going forward particularly um, probably all three actually but particularly Aaron's and Feminia but then you know you look at Nyambe it's probably a bit more similar to Max Aaron's in terms of age and where they are in their career um, I think Nyambe certainly has kind of attributes that would, I think he's probably got the potential to surpass all three of them. Um, I think defensively, I think he's really, really good. I think he reads the game very well. I think he works. I think he's got the intelligence to work very well and, you know, whatever kind of shape or formation or, you know, the line that the, line that the centre-backs are wanting to keep and his ability to kind of work one-on-one when we've got people attacking down that side and tackling and challenging and not being rash and diving in that's that's probably always been sort of the stronger side of his game from from my point of view and is he probably one of the best at you know overlapping taking players on and getting down to the byline i there probably aren't many i don't think there's a there's a left back in the division that would look forward to playing against him um because yeah not only does he have that defensive intelligence yeah he's physically he's got some very very enviable attributes the way he tracks back is is obviously very one of the, yeah. the positives of him he think there was an occasion against bristol city um where he just was there his one-on-one defending is really impressive i think he's i think modern day fullbacks are it's a very demanding position and probably one of the hardest positions on the pitch because you're you're asked to do so much. You've always got the defensive side of the game and the tracking back, but you're certainly in a 4-3-3 system. There are a lot of demands and expectations on what you do going forward. Our fullbacks are there to provide the natural width and to overlap our wide attackers, whether it's a you know a Brereton, a Gallagher, or whoever it is. Um and but he's so he's very very good at that he's got the pace i think it's probably the power and his physicality that start to make you think that he is one of the best in the division because he you know fullbacks often tend to be probably not as big as he is you know he's actually pretty good in the air so he rarely gets beaten with kind of crossfield passes when he's on the defensive side of the game um, he's just a bit of a beast isn't he really when you look at all yeah. his attributes yeah but I think but that's coupled with a good he's he seems to have given his age, you know, he's played at international level as the right sided centre back really well and he's done it when he's needed to, he's done it very well for us. So I mean to have the the intelligence to play two actually really in modern day football very contrasting positions, you know, we've seen him mid-game have to come in move from fullback to centre-back in difficult circumstances, even just at Brentford last weekend. And it takes a lot, you know, there's, there are not a lot of fullbacks that offer that much in terms of what's required as a fullback, but then can slot in and play centre-half as competently as he can. So, yeah, definitely up there. But there are, there's a few others that I wouldn't be unhappy with having in our side, but would no, I def- definitely not? But I think I think like you said, Niamh is certainly up there. Um, Alex, having heard what Ollie said now, and I know this perhaps seems a bit of a stupid question, um, but how important is it that we get Niamh tied tied down to a new contract? Um, 
Losing him on a free would be an absolutely travesty, an absolute travesty, wouldn't it? It would, and I think for various reasons. You look at the squad, and at least I had a look at the squad and all the players that have contract kind of as, as a bigger picture. And the one thing I noticed was that if we don't sign on Nyambe, ranking Costello, Bennett, Douglas leaves at the end of his loan spell, and then Bell leaves, we've got no fullbacks at the club at all in the summer. So I think that's pretty worrying uh, with regards to looking at our track record in recruiting in that area. So that that's number one. And then I think number two is that I think the club doesn't get the biggest gates in the league. We all know that. We've all talked about that, complained about that quite extensively, what could be done to improve that situation. But it's just a cold hard fact that we don't. And one of the consequences of that is that we don't have the biggest playing budget in the division because we can't have the highest wage, but if we don't have the highest revenue, it's as simple as that. But I think where the club can't make an excuse for itself is losing out on revenue that it should be making. And by that, I mean losing Ryan Iambe for a pittance would be so a loss of revenue. essentially, yeah. Exactly. Uh, losing a player for nothing or a small nominal compensation fee, which is what we're likely to get in this case would be the club shooting itself in the foot and not getting the money in through the you know, the revenue streams that it should be doing if it was looking to sell these players. I think, unfortunately, the reality of the situation will be that I think these contracts will drag on throughout the season. And my one hope is that it doesn't have a detrimental impact on the squad, the squad harmony, the performance levels... I think the one positive would be that, although we kind of saw the negatives on it on Wednesday, was that I think these players will be looking to put themselves in the shot window. You know, it's just the reality of that. I think we saw a bit of that from Armstrong on Wednesday, um, live on Sky. But I think with Ryan Naambe in particular, just to bring up a specific point, is I think you'll see him playing with all, all his ability, you know, and all his effort to get a contract next season. And if he doesn't get the contract he wants at Rovers, I'm sure there'll be other clubs in this league willing to offer him the money that, you know, his agent wants for his player. It's as simple as that. I mean, I think I look back at a couple of seasons ago and I think we were all quite surprised when Dara Lenehan suddenly signed a four-year deal out of nowhere, really. There was no real rumours that there was any negotiations going on and, there was sort of rumours that he was leaving to go to Sheffield United and then all of a sudden he signed a four-year deal. So there's always that hope that that will happen. But I think it's more the sheer numbers that are out of contract that's the concern because we could go into next summer really with a massive rebuilding job needing to be done and it not being a cheap job. So you can talk about not having the money now to give the money for the contracts and the wages, but we'll need a lot more money to replace all these players next summer. I think you're definitely spot on there, Alex. I think especially you need a lot more money to replace them with that standard of player as well. Um, Ryan Niambi, like we've said already, he's among some of the top right-backs in the league. Um, and to lose him for a free and, and lose that revenue would be an absolute travesty. Um, I thought it's worth, I do think he will sign a new deal. Um I'll go on record saying that, so you can come and hound <laughs> me. Um, sure when he, um, he doesn't. Yeah, I'll, I'll make uh, Ryan's um, Hall of Fame, um, the 1875 podcast Hall of Fame with that comment. Um, I hope I don't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so turning our attention away from the defence now um, and onto the midfield. Um, Alex, I'm going to come to you again with this this first question. Rothwell, Johnson, Holtby—they have been the favoured midfield trio, and certainly the midfield trio when we performed at our very best. I think um, Wickham was that midfield three, wasn't it? Um, so we can see the quality they have as, as that as that three. Um, all three of them out of contract. Um, Holtby and Rothwell do have the option of another year and their contract. It's understood. We can't rely on that, though, can we? We can't rely on the fact that we can trigger an extension on them two's contracts. Well, no, for anyone, for that matter, because I think Dak's got the same thing as well. No, we can't. I think what that would show 
is that the club is panicking, really. I think that would send out a bad message. You know, if we keep triggering these 12-month extensions in the contracts, it shows that really the negotiations aren't being very fruitful. Um, that's quite topical in the news at the minute. Negotiations not going too well, but um, I think it's pretty obvious that if you trigger an extension of 12 months, there really is no prospect of a deal being done. It's more of a continuation of the status quo, isn't it? And I think... Well, you're going to be in the exact same position 12 months down the line, aren't exactly, you? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You're, put, you're putting off the inevitable. I think one thing it would do is it would probably lessen the rebuilding job and maybe spread it over a course of two summer windows rather than one. And I guess as help. well, the extra year, if in that year Rovers get to the Premier League, Holtby and Rothwell yeah. be chomping at the bit saying, yeah, I want to sign a new deal. Same with Dak. So, I mean, I guess... It's a tough one, that isn't it? Yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, all this is academic, and you know, if we get in the playoffs this season and we get promoted at Wembley, all these players will be on their hands and knees asking for a new contract. So, <laughs> it's um, uh, on Premier League money as well, no doubt. But it's so, so that has got to be accounted for. If you ask about the midfield, who would I think we could do without? Probably Bradley Johnson. I think if I had to pick one of those three, it would be Bradley Johnson. You look at the players we've got in the squad. I think we've got many, many players that can do that defensive role. Maybe not as well as he can, and maybe not offering as much in the offensive side of the game. But if you want a pure defensive midfielder, then I think we do have more options in the squad to fill in for Bradley Johnson than we do for perhaps Joe Rothwell, who, in my opinion, is a totally unique player in our squad. Nobody else offers what he offers no one else offers that with those driving runs from deep in the field. So, yeah, if I had to pick one of those like three key men to lose, it would be Bradley Johnson. And I think actually looking at the wage bill, I do believe he's probably one of the higher earners in, at the club, to be honest. And if that is the sacrifice we have to make to maybe um, get Travis in there on a more permanent basis, if we're carrying on with this formation that we are, then I think that's what we'd have to do. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. I completely forgot about Travis with his injury. I mean, Travis is there, and I guess, like you say, if there's one that has to leave, would it be Johnson? Mm. Only Johnson has had a good season this season, though. Um, definitely better than last season, where I think he disappointed a lot of Rovers fans, myself included. Um, would it be good to tie Johnson down, if only for the experience he brings? I know, like I said, if we had to choose one, um, I don't know if we'd all be in agreement. I feel like we would be. Um, but is Johnson not good just to have as an experienced head someone to perhaps show Travis how to play his position a bit more effectively? Because as good as Travis is, he's still a young lad that he's probably still learning how to play the midfield position to the best of his ability. No, I mean, on that whole, on the list of all these people out of contract, I think it does naturally split into ones that are that make you panic and ones that sort of don't to various degrees. I don't know. I wouldn't keep him on. Um, you wouldn't keep him on. You, you'd... No, I don't, he's not one that worries me. Probably similar to uh, Alex was saying, I think age is one thing. Um, by the end of this season, he's 34. Um you can't just have a team of young players, though, can you? You need to have no, that but I contrast. Think, I think it's... There's age. Yes, he brings a lot of experience. He's not... He isn't the same player he was at Derby County or Leeds or some of his other... Or Norwich. You know, we, we signed the kind of... The ageing version of a once formidable championship midfielder. And we see that midfielder some games... And, but, he, you know, he's been a lot, he has been more consistent this season, but he still had some, he still had some poor games this season. Um, now, I think uh, wages, I think, you know, we're a club that operates on a bit of a knife edge anyway. Um, you, you know, it's, is it that much different than someone like Amal Grew? Can we, can we really afford just to keep somewhat one of our top earners just around for a bit of experience where, Travis is number one. Travis is miles ahead of Johnson if he's fit in terms of starting in that role. Every everything I've seen from Jake and Davenport, I don't see there's nothing Davenport Johnson's done this season that Davenport 
hasn't looked like being capable of doing in a very short amount of time he's been on the pitch. Um, I wouldn't, you know, those are players I'd focus on keeping hold of and let Johnson go. Um, I guess it's the lesser of two evils in that regard, isn't it? Um, I do want to move on from from Brother Johnson because there's someone else I want to ask you about, Ollie. Um, and that's a product of our own academy, Joe Rankin Costello. Um, now, I mentioned at the, the top of when we were talking about who was out of contract, um, a certain Mr. Conor Mahoney, obviously a player that came through our academy and we never really got his contract sorted. And I guess you could throw Ryan Niambi in that ball as I am going to throw Joe Rankin Costello in. Um, how crucial is it that we don't make that mistake um, with 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 Joe Rankin Costello that we did with Conor Mahoney and losing a player for, like Alex said, with Niambi, a nominal compensation fee? Yeah, he, I mean, he's up at the top end of the list of the ones that make you panic. Um, not only has he looked, you know, before his, before his yet another hamstring injury, um, he was one of our best players this season and that was playing in a variety of positions, um, which speaks volumes of how good he is. Um, no, yeah, he we, we cannot afford a situation like that to reach a sticky position where his agent has already started making moves with other clubs because they're in a position to be a bit more assertive and offer something concrete whether it's you know three four five years maybe a bit more money because if there are scouts that have been watching him and he's been playing we have you know what are their reports going to be like glowing this lad's paid. I've, I've watched him at left back. I've watched him at right back. Last season, I saw him play in a front three. He's brilliant. And, you know, who who wouldn't want a Joe Rankin Costello in their squad? Um, if only just for that that squad depth, like you say. Yeah. You play anyway. I mean, we've watched him play, be one of our best players at left back, at right back. I think he'd do a very good job in Lewis Holtby's position. He would do a very good job in Harvey Ellett's position. He can play where Brereton plays. He can play those five positions and be one of our best players so uh yeah probably far exceeds the importance of tying Conor Mahoney down at the time and not not dismissing how good Mahoney looked and how much of an error that was um but it's to me this would be an even bigger concern to pin down someone like Joe. Alex as a product of our own academy um Surely, Joe Rankin Costello signs a new deal. Surely, I know I'm saying this. Conor Mahoney left; he didn't sign a new deal. But we're in a better position than we were then. Um, surely, he signs a new deal, doesn't he? I really wish I could get into the minds of these players, and you know, it would put my mind at ease if I knew that all these players would be signing new deals and that was their intention. But ultimately, we don't know what their agents are telling them on a daily basis, and I think. In modern football, it's the agents ultimately that make the call. I think you go back to the Mahoney situation. I think I was very disappointed when he left. I thought he would have benefited massively from that season in League One, winning all those games on a weekly basis, being you know involved week in, week out in a promotion-winning side. But the state of the club when he left... I don't think any of us can really forget the state that the club was in at that period of time. I think, you know, I, I'm a, if you cut me in half, I'm blue and white either side. And if I had his ability and I was offered that contract from Bournemouth, I don't personally think I would have been able to turn it down just with the circumstances at that time. With the he, club, went to, so. he was going to a Premier League club, wasn't he? Exactly. He was... You know, and we were, you know, you, you look at it. In the cold, hard light of day, we were on the way down, weren't we? We were. Yeah, free fall. I don't think anyone could have anticipated the job that Tony Mowbray's done mm. in almost rebuilding us to get us back mm. to a point that, as fans, we can be proud. Um, so I guess Connor's in the same light. You know, I think I heart back to that summer. I don't think many fans actually backed us to get promoted straight back. And certainly after the Doncaster game at Ewood, I don't think many would. Um, yeah, after Southend as well on the opening day, then Doncaster, yeah, it was yeah. quite the. Um, what was the other one? Was it uh, Wimbledon at home as well? We lost one nil. Was it? Yes. Yeah. And if you if you'd have asked me after those games, and even the Oldham game, a few games after Oldham that, game, even yeah. 
would we be getting promoted this season, sat in 12th, about a million points off the automatics, then I'd have told you you were crazy. So everything's kind of happened in an unexpected way, I would say, since Mowbray's come through the door. And you can't blame Mahoney for that. What I would say is, I think with Daryl Enhan, after the promotion, as I just mentioned before, that was a sign to me that a lot of the academy lads were willing to give it a chance, were willing to see what we could do as a club going forward. I think ultimately, I think we'll go on to talk about this as we carry on with the pod, is you've got to split these players and the players out of contract into two categories. The absolute must-keeps and the ones that we could replace. And you've just got to, unfortunately, in the situation we're in, you've just got to get rid of all the ones that we can replace because it's that vital that we keep the ones that are must-keeps and all of our financial effort has to go into those. And I think, as we've just discussed, I think JRC fits that bill, really. Does I think Oli said, didn't he? You got also almost ready-made replacements like Jacob Davenport, who hasn't really been given a fair crack at the whip, given his injury mm. problems, um, who can... This was proven on multiple occasions that you can slot in. I think Preston was one of his. Obviously, got the goal at Brent, but the Preston game was the game where I thought, you know what, actually, he's decent. Um, he's showing what he can do. Um, and so I thought nothing but the best for Jacob Davenport. I think he's been really unlucky since since he arrived at the club. Um, now, there's one more player I want to speak about before we get on to the main um, man when it comes to contract um, negotiations, and that's obviously going to be Bradley Dack. But there's another player first, um, Ollie. And it's Amari Bell. Receives a lot of criticism. Um, in a word, Ollie, and we're going to go through the rest of the players in a minute as well um, after we spoke about Dag. But does Amari Bell have to get a new contract just because of the fact that Douglas will be gone, potentially? And whilst there may be negotiations to bring him in on a free transfer, because obviously he's um, contracts up at Leeds, do we need Amari Bell just because we need a left back. Yeah, he's. I know he he divides opinion quite a lot, um, but I think he's also, in a funny way, a bit like uh, Joe Rothwell as well. That I know this happens with all football fans at all clubs, but the an, an opinion. It's very hard to sort of sh- shake an opinion. So, like Bell, I you know even I'll hold my hands up and I'm someone who would want him, you know, I always want to see our players do really well, but it's Bell. It's very difficult for Bell to shake off a sort of an opinion that he's never quite good enough. And he makes mistakes defensively, you know, like you're, you know, on Twitter and things, as soon as if a goal has been scored down that side, it's straight away. Like, Oh, Bell didn't do this. Um, And yet we score loads of goals from, are on our left hand we can see loads of goals from our that side when he's not playing and we have done with Douglas there as well but and a bit like Rothwell people saying oh it doesn't there's not enough end product there's not enough end product when there's been masses of end product this season in terms of his contribution to our forward play so I Bell Bell is a, like a, probably I would go as far as saying he's sort of an average to above average left back in this division like there's nothing Douglas has come in as a oh you know oh wow this is a this is a top signing has Douglas improved us defensively at left back over Bell no he has not um I don't if I've you know it'd be nice if kind of Joe or one of the stats guys may have looked into this that you know Douglas is a very good player he looks very accomplished on the ball but he has not impressed me defensively in the slightest. Um, certainly not above and beyond Bell. Um, I think, yeah, I think he. I think he, I would give him a new contract because he's still he's still very very young. He's got again much like Nyambe, he's got very good attributes for the demands of the position, and I think he's a player that suffers. I think he's a confidence player. I think whenever he's played a reasonable run in the side, and it, I think it probably it feels as if it sort of helps him to know I'm definitely getting picked for the next you know X number of games, which has often been because there's nobody else to play there. Um, you can't you can't live your life as a footballer thinking that oh, it helps with yeah. your mindset. I'm going to get picked because at the end of the day, 
it's, it's competition, it's competition for place, and that's only a positive thing for the side, though. You, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. It helps knowing that you're backed by a manager, but at the same time, when you're given the opportunity, you've got to grab the bull by the horns. I know it's just that balance of if we could bring, I think Douglas would need to do. I'd like to see some improvements from him for for us to consider. You know, he's had some injury issues. Age isn't on his side in a and the system we play demands a lot of up and down as a fullback. Um, I, Douglas would need to improve and play consistently across most of the rest of the season for me to feel okay. Yeah, we need to allocate a chunk of wages to give this guy. You know, just, a, just a, a question then, Oli. Just to round off this this bit, or your your sound bell. If we have the option to offer one of them a contract, Douglas or Bell, at the end of the season, and we can only offer one of them a contract, <laughs> who are you offering a contract um, to? I know it's a tough question, but this is what the eighteen seventy five podcast is all about. Just, just in a word, I, could, I don't think I could live with my. I don't think I'll ever come back on the pod if I said Bell. I think God, if you put your footballing brain on, it's Barry Douglas. I, I just we haven't got a bit maybe like a Bradley Johnson. We haven't seen the Douglas that Leeds saw and Wolves saw, and there is that player is in there. Um, and so you, 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 you it would be Douglas. I think if you had two to basically say, right, this player is going to come and have another two years with us, I yes, it would be Douglas because of the quality on the ball, and that you know there there was a notable step up in in the games he has played. You just go, yes, that player is a lot more accomplished on the ball. And Amari Bell. Um, yeah, it would be Douglas. For what it's worth, I do I do agree. I would choose Douglas, but I have a feeling they'll both be at the club still come next year. Um, Alex, on to you with Amari Bell. Um, he does offer some strengths. Is he an asset for the club? Is, is it, it? Does he get a tough time and is it a bit unfair sometimes, do you think? Is he a bit I of a scapegoat? We've seen him in Rose history or recent mm. history. Jason Law, Jason Steele, was the name Jason. Um, <laughs> there's these scapegoats, you know, that even if they do something brilliant, they still get mm. absolutely hounded. Um, and I think we, we've all been guilty of doing it as well. Um, yeah. It's just easy to criticise some people because it's who everyone criticises. But do we give him a bit of a tough time, Amari Bell? Bell is the really difficult case. I think you look at some of the goals we concede and he is kind of the lowest common denominator in some of them. You can't lie about that. I think what we don't appreciate about Bell, though, in particular, is he was signed several years ago when we were a League One club for a very, very small fee from Fleetwood Town. And to expect a player of that calibre to step into the championship and then be a regular, capable, match-winning starter in a team that's looking to get promotion from the championship, I think is pretty naive. I think you're asking Bell to do something that he's not, he's never been able to do and isn't capable of doing, and there isn't any shame in that. You know, you can have a good career in football without being a player that can play at the top championship level. There's no disgrace in that whatsoever. And I think sometimes we expect some of the players that were seasoned pros in that League One side to be the fulcrum of a promotion winning side from this league. And the league is so much of a higher standard than the League One. It's incredible. I think, perfect, perfect example of that, I guess, Richie Smallwood, the one that exactly, just... Yeah. Exactly. And Charlie Mulgrew is another one. And I think what you've seen over the past... 12 months, I would say, in particular, is really a changing of the guard from the League One side that served us so well for 18 months to two years. You've seen that process accelerate, I think, over the last six to 12 months, where a lot of those players that were real key assets to that side have moved on. And I think um, I think Bell comes into that in a way. He, I know he came in in the January, but nonetheless, he was a pretty permanent fixture it was someone that someone that we wanted to bring in I think like yeah. there's a reason perhaps there is a reason that there wasn't any interest from championship side at the time mm. or any concrete interest and 
and it was Blackburn that he came to. Um, I want to move on now, though. And Alex, you laughed at Ollie's question before, but I'm going to pause an even tougher one to you, I think, in a minute. Um, and we're going to talk about... Um, see, he's laughing because he knows what's coming. I've already prepped him, <laughs> to be fair. He's not going to be put on his feet like Ollie was. Um, I want to talk about the big one, um, Bradley Dack. Um, Ollie, again, I'm going to jump to you first with the Dack one. Give Alex some time to compose himself before this <laughs> awful question. Um we have the option for a further year, um, which obviously we will trigger. I don't think there's any doubt about that, that we will trigger the, the year. Um, but do you think that the injury to Dak uh, has almost fed into the fact that there's been no new contract? Because is the apprehension on both sides from Robbers and saying, is this person going to be the same player he was prior to injury? And from Dak's side thinking okay, my time's coming that if I need to leave and play premiership football, it's going to have to be in the next couple of years. He's 27, I think, 26, 27. He's getting to the stage of his career where he needs to be playing premiership football if he's going to have a real go at becoming a Premier League player. Do you think the injury's fed into that, the fact that there is no new contract? I hope it hasn't because I think Alex was alluding to it earlier that We've, you know, I actually say more often than not, well, first and foremost, let's not kid ourselves about where we sit in the football hierarchy in this country. We we kind of ride through waves where at the moment we're kind of hoping to kind of get to the crest of a wave and get promoted, but we can't kid ourselves and think if we fail to do that this season or at a pinch next season, the vultures are going to be circling for our best players. And that's just what happens. We're one of many clubs that go through that selling cycle. I actually think we've not, we've not been very good at doing it. I think there's a few examples of where it's, you know, a Bentley or a Santa Cruz where we, we do it right. But then there's, you know, Mahoney, Kearney, you know, there's the moments we do it wrong. Um, those roads, though, obviously, done nothing since yeah, year left. Was good. What twelve million was it in the end? So, mm. but the, I, d- I really hope that hasn't come in because Dak. I'm I'm starting to get a little worried about the time and this injury and the niggles. A little worried, you know. It's going to be well over a year, which is a very long time. Um, Doncaster isn't it? Dad? I think it's not yet a year. It's coming up to a year since he had the injury. And the I think if Doncaster you play, so two things: if they're basically gone, we're stalling on a contract because he's injured. If he comes back, he is going to come back and play in our first team. I think that's that is going to happen to to some level. If he comes back, and as obviously we all hope, he's the same Bradley Dak. We have to have got him on a new contract for just for sell on value when he perhaps inevitably leaves at some point. To not give him a, even if he comes back and he's never quite the same player, there's still, you know, he's still going to be a, what, a five to 10 million pound player, even if he's half as good as he was. And so why wouldn't you pin that down as opposed to just saying, oh, you know, we'll trigger the additional year and then he can run it down. You, you're still going to tie him in to something. You still want to tie him into something. I guess the risk is he's going to be one of our top earners. And maybe maybe it is a contractual reason that the club sit there and think, you know, he's not. I mean, currently he's not. I think that's the, the sticking point with Dak. Currently he's surprisingly quite some way off one of the top earners. Do you not even on the new, even on his latest deal he did sign? Moist. He was, well... From what I've heard, and I don't claim to have any inside sources at the club, I just spoke to someone I was on work experience once. Um, but um, from that, um, from what I had discussions I had with him at the time, um, guess who it is? Um, he seemed to think that it was it was around seven and a half, which isn't near the top. When he signed, he, he seemed to think he was on about four, and that was doubled when he signed the new deal just after the League One season. So he's, he's he's not he's got to pay for a very expensive wedding. He does, <laughs> well, yeah. 
Olivia truly has, or as Dak, Dak met his match, never mind Olivia. Um, just, just quickly then, um, Ollie, um, I'm going to pause a quick question to you. Um, does Dak cause a new contract for the work we've done in his injury, or is it just the case of that's your job as a, as a club to safeguard your players when they are injured? Does he, or is it football's a selfish game? Is it the sort of thing where Dak has to think for himself, or does he always a new contract? For the work we've done as well, we let's not forget when he came, there was a lot of uncertainty about him because he'd not had a great season at Gillingham. He was in the papers just after we signed him. Um, and I think, I know at the time, I think we watched the Shrewsbury game, me and my dad went to it, and he got the goal. And we think they're playing on the right hand side of midfield, Morbury shook him out there, and he was awful. He was really bad. And I think me and my dad said at the time, um, don't look that good that Bradley Dak how wrong we were obviously um, but he wasn't necessarily coming in with, with the pedigree that he'd had the previous year when he won player of the year so does it again to repeat my question does he always a contract it's, I think when it comes things like fans we always want to see morals integrity loyalty in football but they're, they're values that can be very short lived or thrown back in your face as fans sometimes I just think I think you're when you look at it you know we took him away from Gillingham we you know we've done a lot of good by him you know he's when he's had when think you know Olivia's broken up with him he's he's allowed been allowed to miss games because of personal issues where it's just you know a celebrity disgrace on Instagram and we, we've you know we've given him a game off and we've done right by him by his injury you know we've got a very good setup in terms of you know an academy and the coaching staff and the physios behind that that you know he's going to have he's been in a very good place to have a serious knee, knee injury and you'd like he seems settled now in the northwest and you just sort of think if, if you get offered a deal and it is going to improve the money he's on, you know, I'm not sure he'd sign a deal if it was just the same, you know, it is going to be an improved offer. As a fan, you sit there and go, yeah, I think he does owe us because, and you know, even when it came down to that issue around community service as well, you know, the, the club took it in house as an issue to, you know, Mowbray, his current manager went and appeared in court and, you know, gave him a glowing character reference and said, look, we weren't aware of the things he was and wasn't doing. And, you know, we'll bring this in-house into the club and we'll make sure he does right by what he needs to do. The, he's been looked after as a player and, and as a human being. And I think the thing, credit, so, credit has to go to the club for that as well. I think sometimes you do yeah, give the club a hard time. And that's um, where, when you think things like loyalty and moral, you just think you would like to see him kind of, gives honour the club back and go, yeah, of course I'm going to sign a new deal if you put one on the table. Um, if he doesn't, then he doesn't. Um, there's nothing we can do about that. Um, but no, I, I think he does owe us one because I think we've we've gone above and beyond because we've needed to because of the situations he's brought on the club. Has he scored a lot of goals and made a lot of goals and helped us get promoted? And, yeah, I guess of course he has. Yeah. already paid it in terms yeah. of his performances. It's a real tough one, isn't it? Um, not a nice question. But, Alex, neither is this. Um, so I'm going to offer you a bit of a scenario here, I guess. Um, so you've got two options. Bradley Dack signs a new contract, but we sell Adam Armstrong for £25 million in January. Or we keep Adam Armstrong, but Bradley Dack leaves on a free transfer in the summer. We don't extend his contract for the year. He's just gone. Which which one would you rather? Sell Arm Armstrong, yeah. Or sell Armstrong, and I'll and I'll and I'll justify why. And this this people will probably say I'm crazy. I care about the financial situation at the club. Um, I think we've heard about the Premier League bailout package pretty recently in the last fortnight or so that every championship club's getting an, I think it's an £8.3 million loan that's got to be paid back in four years, I think, something like that. 
so that just gives an indication of the financial impact of the pandemic, really. So I think if if you want an, an honest answer, it's I want the club to protect its assets and get value for its assets. And by that, I would mean selling Armstrong for £25 million would be getting value for that asset. And it would also keep Bradley Dack on the books as another sellable asset if we needed to. So I think we would be losing an awful lot of untapped revenue letting Dak leave for nothing. Um, you know, just to go back to the previous question, I think Dak probably does always something, but I think a lot of footballers are clubs, things, and don't repay. And guess loyalty's dead, isn't it? Loyalty it's, on both sides almost. Yeah. Charlie Mugger made the same comment, exactly. whether or not we agree with that or not. He felt it had died on Rover's side, and, and I think and I think it works both ways. I think if Dak left to go to say West Ham, I'm just making a club up out of thin air and went to the Premier League and he came back to Ewood for the FA Cup, it wouldn't surprise me if he got booed. Now, that isn't the fans being loyal. Shearer Shearer got booed, didn't he, when he left? I think his first game back from Newcastle, I remember reading, he got booed. And so, so in that sense, are the fans repaying the promotion and all the good times and all of the goals and all of the assists and all of the happy memories? So, it works both ways in that. We can't all claim that it's just the player that's got to show loyalty. Some of the fans have also got to think, you know, this this player's given us a lot of joy. We we need to show that and appreciate that. And to be fair, I think we did show that with David Raya, for example, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe I think because Raya wasn't a big fish at the club, we made a bit more leaning. Jordan Rhodes as well, he was he yes. was applauded yeah. each time that he's come back. Ben Jordan Rhodes is probably the nicest man in football, so you couldn't boo him. Mm. Um, it's a fair I point, think it, though. I think it depends on the character of the player in question. And I do think Dak, I think we would all agree on this, he verges on that fine line between doing things a footballer shouldn't do or not. I think we, we would all agree on that, wouldn't we? And, yeah, there's, and there's been occasions with like some of the media yes, things. And not necessarily yeah. through any fault of his own. No. Um, but things that perhaps... Yeah, he I is, know what you mean. He, he is, he's been on that dividing line between what's acceptable and what's not. And, and I think we would agree on that. And, and I think due to that fact... I think there would be a reaction akin to more the junior Hoylet, Ben Marshall, um, type thing, ben Marshall Alan Shearer. You can make the list goes on and on, doesn't it? So I, I, I think it would be more akin to that. And, and for that reason and that reason only, I do hope if it comes to that situation where we have to sell one of them, it will be sell Armstrong and Dak signs a new improved deal. Uh, which ultimately he deserves. I mean, you can talk about thousands of pounds a week. I don't claim to know the Rovers' books inside and out. I've never seen them. Um, but I presume that he's not close to being our highest earner. And you look at results, goals, assists, he should be our highest earner. He deserves to be. Yeah, so, I agree. I think, I, I think Bradley is a magnificent player, just for I, me. I, best player. You know, based on performances alone, Bradley Dack and Adam Armstrong should be our high sterners. It's as simple as that. They've delivered the goods on the pitch on a consistent basis, so they should be rewarded for that. And likewise, players that don't deliver the goods shouldn't be rewarded with new deals. So this, all of this kind of, it comes down to the fact of who do you reward for the performances and who do you not? And um, in my opinion, Bradley Dack does warrant a new deal an improved deal at that, a significantly improved deal, regardless of whether he comes back as good as he left. Um, because like Ollie said, even if he doesn't hit the heights he previously hit, with the inflated transfer market that we've got now, uh, that doesn't seem to have taken a hit at all from COVID, that even if he comes back half the player he was, he'd still be worth several million pounds. And it's the point of our better players as well. And, and we cannot afford as a club to lose that value and let it be put down the drain. We just cannot complain that we can't compete with the Leedses, the West Broms, the Nottingham Forests, the Derbys, and then throw millions of pounds down the drain 
it just doesn't it's not a consistent line it's not a good model take. is it not a good business yeah. model and i think that that list you mentioned is the first time that junior hoyler and ben marshall have been put on the same list as alan shearer so um <laughs> fair play yeah. to them um, it was in, in association of like the the Rovers led into the past yeah, 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 yeah. just to make that point <laughs> um no, but um, what you've said there does actually lead us on. Um, I'm going to go through a list with both of you. I just want you to give a yes or no. Do you offer them a new deal? Um, Aldi, I'll start with you. Let Alex have a drink, catch his breath. Um, <laughs> and all the answer, I think, to this first one. Bradley Dark, new contract? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Joe Rothwell? Oh, me? Uh, yes, so much yes. He's, he's my favourite, we know that. Lewis Holtby, Oli? Is, is Lewis Holtby? Uh, Yes, provided Joe, it's affordable. Joe Rankin Costello. Yes. Uh, Ryan Niambi. Yes. Probably the first no here, but Charlie Mulgrew. No. So funny, you've not spoke about him. Corey Evans. No, but I think Mowbray would give him a 10-year contract if he could. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, really no. I'm not. He's been a great servant to the club, but he stinks up that middle three at the moment so no Stuart Downing I thought this would be a quick no no it's too it's going to be what 38 or something next season he hasn't hasn't played much so far since return has he I think him not signing the new deal straight away really has sort of put a pin in his Rovers career because he sort of can't really get back in that squad now whereas I think he probably would have started the season um, if he just signed it straight away Um, Amari Bell Yes, Elliot yeah. Bennett. I, that's quite Bennett's a really hard one because I think, yeah, I think so because I think he'd accept. Re, I think he, if you want loyalty in a player, it's Elliot Bennett, and I think as a, a voice in the dressing room, dressing room, training ground, just a, an ambassador for the club. Yeah, I, I, he's a, he's the kind of player you want around. Uh, Brother Johnson, you already said no for that, haven't you? No. Uh, Derek Williams. Yeah. And finally, um, probably one of the biggest letdowns <laughs> with in terms of transfers we've had in recent years, uh, Harry Chapman. Uh, no, no way. Um, do you disagree with any of them, Alex? Would you have, have, did you agree with everything that Ollie says, or are there some that you would actually change your mind on? I think the I agree with 99% of what Ollie just said. I think the one thing I would caveat is that with Downing, I would review at the end of the year. Um, it's one of those I would think, let's see what's going on next summer, really. And like Ollie said, if uh, Evans gets offered a new deal and uh, <laughs> uh, Dak and Nyambe and JRC all leave, I think there'll be some quite upset fans uh, going forward. and. Just so I quite like Corey Evans as well. I think Corey Evans is a tough one because I do quite like him. Mm. Um, I think he's shown that Bristol City when he got his goal. I thought he was fantastic that day last season. Um, yeah, very hit and miss, isn't he? Just... I'm, I'm, I'm more alluding to the fact that I understand. I just know what the reaction will be from the fan base if that happened. Oh, definitely. Um, I think 100. I, I don't disagree with you on that comment at all. Um, yeah. Thanks for that, boys. But obviously, some some interesting thoughts there. Um, and we're going to move on now to the, the questions. Basically, we've only had a couple of questions uh, this week. I think good job actually, because we're already at fifty-two minutes in the pod, um, and we've still got two questions to go. Um, uh, so, Alex, I'm going to come to you actually with the first one. Um, firstly, it's from obviously regular uh, regular um, listener and host of the BRFCS podcast, Ian Herbert. Um, how many shots does the panel think Armstrong would have needed on Wednesday night to actually score? So, obviously, Ian's there referring to the game against uh, Bristol City. Um, Alex, if you want to answer this one, um, wasn't his best performance, was it? I think I've read somewhere Andy and Joe were showing us something, weren't they, in the chat? It was like 0.18 is um, likely to score him with his chance. Might have been more than that. Um, yeah, how many shots was he needing to actually get one even close to going in? Um, wow, this this to me was the biggest annoyance about Wednesday night. I don't think we played particularly badly. I don't think this season, when we've lost games, I don't think we've played particularly badly at all. I think really only the 
probably only the Forest game where we weren't really that great, but we probably didn't deserve to lose that either. And uh, maybe the Reading game, the defense, defending was a shambles. But other than that, the games we've lost, we've not played badly at all. And I think what upset me the most was that I got the impression that Armstrong was looking to impress the Sky cameras. You can you, you just cannot come to any other conclusion than that. And I say that as someone who really enjoys watching Armstrong play. He's been absolutely outstanding for us this year. There's no question about that. He's improved so, so much. How many shots would he have needed to score? 500. He didn't, 500 to, to put a number on it. He didn't, he didn't take a shot where he'd even had a chance of scoring. He didn't even give himself a chance of scoring because the minute he touched the ball, he was shooting. It was whether shooting it was, type policy, wasn't it? Whether it was 40 yards out, whether it was 25 yeah. yards out, he actually didn't allow himself to get into a position to score. You know, I, I know we've talked about how he does have that in his locker to score a long-range goal, but you've got to pick your time and place. And Wednesday night wasn't that time and place. You know, I think you, you can afford to... Yeah, I think yeah. It, I thought... It's, if yeah. we're 3-0 up, if we're 3-0 up on 80 minutes, go fill your boots, go on, have mm. a go. But we're in a really tight nil-nil game in a really important match. And we get into a lot of good, good positions and we misfire. There's no other word there's no other way of putting it. And Marbury said that after the game, we misfired on Wednesday. And Armstrong, unfortunately, was a big part of that because if you look at a lot of the attacking situations we've spurned. He was at the forefront of that. I think what the final point I'll make, not only have we been the top scorers this season, we've deserved to be the top scorers. And by that, I mean, we've scored 31 goals, but we should have scored 40. You know, we you actually look at the games we've won. Coventry, we should have scored seven. Wickham, we should have scored eight. You know, We've actually not been that clinical this season. And it's incredible to say that, being the top goal scorers, but we've not been clinical. And um, it's mainly been the sheer number of chances we've created that's let us be top scorers rather than be that super clinical team that's, say, Reading are. So yeah, that's exactly. really the point I've finished I would I'll be interested on. to see the um, amount of shots we've had, uh, shots to goal ratio. Because mm. um, like you say... Armstrong's been superb this season, but on Wednesday night he was a little bit too trigger happy. Um, mm. His B button was broken, carried on sticking. <laughs> um, little FIFA reference for for all you gamers out there. Um, and next up, Ollie, this was going to come to you. Um, it's a question from Ryan Richardson. Um, he asks, "Is it a concern that after Armstrong, our next top scorer only has three? Um, and who do you think will end up uh, as a second top scorer?" That is obviously assuming that Armstrong will finish top. Just as a reminder for you, Ollie, um, four players are on three goals, and they are Ben Brereton, Tyree Stolen, Sam Gallagher, and uh, Bradley Johnson. Is it a concern that they've only got three? I don't think it's necessarily a concern because I think, yeah, I agree with everything Alex just said. Um, we're the top scorers, we should have scored more. Armstrong himself, who's the top scorer in the division, should have scored probably four or five more quite easily. If it... We could have had four or five in the Wickham game alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, because, you know, if, if you asked the same question to a Brentford fan and said, are you worried that Tony's scoring all of your goals? I don't think they'd say it wouldn't. It looks very biased towards Armstrong, but actually what's quite nice is players in attacking positions put Johnson to one side you know you've Gallagher Brereton Elliot's got a couple Dolan's chipped in it that's a good to me that's a good sign that we've got players that are getting into goal scoring positions and actually finding the back of the net um I've been concerned more concerned in previous seasons where it doesn't look like anyone can score because you if it's not Graham or Dak, Brereton and Gallagher can't hit a barn door. And you're thinking Rothwell seems to always baby his shots when he gets to the edge of the box, apart from the one at Brentford. And you're then going, well, I'm worried about who is going to score. And Armstrong wasn't the player he was this season. No, I'm not particularly worried because I think we're we're creating a lot of chances. 
Um, Elliot has got a very he you know he doesn't he he says he says himself he's more of a creator, but I think he's got a very deft finish on him. I think Gallagher's looked very clinical. The goals he scored are real strikers' goals where he's found himself in the box, and then a really really good finish the other night. I think Brereton scored a couple of different types of goals that were very pleasing, and you know Dolan. Dolan chipping in with the tap-ins that he should be getting when he's, you know, cut finding himself at the back stick alone. And I think if Rothwell's ever going to score goals, I think they're always going to be quite special goals. And so you're only ever going to get a few of those a season. Um, who, second top goal scorer? Um, I don't think Dak's going to play enough to perhaps, I mean, I could come back and that could haunt me. So if I, go, well, I, would, <laughs> I, say, I would say it for the Dak. I thought it's going to be... My answer, the straight answer is just going to be Brereton. I think he'll be, um, he's going to be back in a week or two, isn't he? Um, I think so, hope so anyway. No, I think, and I think, season. I think if he's fit, he'll play every game. Um, and yeah, I think it'll be Brereton will be second top scorer. And I've, I think if, I've sort of waited for a question like this to come up before that, you know, when you need you need to score over a goal a game, that's what you want to see your stats at the end of the season. And I only really think back to was it fourteen fifteen when you've got Rhodes and Guested and you basically right, we go, those two play and you've guaranteed you we're guaranteed fifty goals, basically. So we don't need to worry about can we score goals to win matches, which you have to do. And so then this season you it's like where you need fifty goals from somewhere and we've scored what, thirty one at the moment? Is it 31 we've scored? Mm. That's a lot. Um, I mean, Especially you know, this stage in the season, 17 players. Yeah. And um, so if you want your strike force to get 50 goals and then you've got goals from the rest of the side, I mean, Armstrong's going to, what, hit 20, 25? To be maybe. fair, he's done this before, though, Armstrong, when he was at Coventry. Um, not to put him down, but he had a cracking start to the season. Even he's scored about five in about 20 games. He's the 20 goal striker for the season I think I'll, I'll give him 20 goals and then you need a couple of others to hit double figures I, th I think Brereton and Gallagher will hit 10 I, do, I actually do Dak's got goals against his name and then you know then you're you're already creeping up there and I think Elliot Dolan Dak Rothwell you know we'll have people chipping in with goals here and there and maybe some of the you know, I think, is it Butterworth's back fit? And, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of option, attacking options yeah. in there. Yeah. And, and I think just to, to finish on, on this one, Alex, with Ben Brereton, um, Ollie mentioned him, thinks he can get 10. Um, how pleasing has it been that, that Brereton this season is, um, is, is proving that actually he is a pretty good player? Mm. It's been one of the biggest positives for me this season I think we we have talked in the past about maybe have him having a good pre-season last summer and then find himself out the team and then getting injured and it just seems like every little thing conspiring against him at times um, and I think really this run of form coincided with the only time in his Rovers career where he's played game in game out in his best position you know, he's, he played, I think it was seven matches in a row. He's never done that before. Just never. And never yeah, looked like doing that. And is it any surprise that after doing that, that he's produced his best football that we've seen by far? Um, all, I, all I hope is that he comes back, you know, as he, as he finished with that same sort of increased confidence that he'd been showing. And I think... You don't want to say that we're a one-man team because I don't think we are, but I think Brereton being there, it does give the defences just too much to think about. Someone, you've got, yeah. Someone when, running it, yeah. You've got Armstrong's yeah. pace and Brereton yeah. can carry the ball. Same as Rothwell, I know what you mean. Yeah, when you've got Rothwell running from deep and then you've got Brereton on the left and Armstrong down the middle and Gallagher out on the right or Elliot, for example, there's very little you can do to cover all those bases. And I think we've seen that since Brereton got injured, unfortunately, that we may not have been as incisive going forward as we were when he was in and the Armstrong team. And Armstrong perhaps looks a little less 
of a threat because they can mm. um, perhaps put all their eggs in the Armstrong basket and um, nullify him. We're saying perhaps. we're saying Armstrong's not a threat, so we can reverse psychology of the game tomorrow and he scores a hat oh, trick. I don't mean he's yeah. not a threat, of course. I, yeah. I can see what that says. The way I said that, yeah. there, but I just mean <laughs> in terms of he's looked less less like he's going to make an impact. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Games without Burton there than he has. Um, previously but on that note that is your lot um would once again like to thank my guests ollie and alex you've both been superb as always remember to check us out on twitter at rovers underscore chat um and as i said at the start of the pod if you're watching on youtube be sure to hit the subscribe button we're currently 825 subscribers and we would love to reach 1000 um also coming up and make sure you don't miss it um is the rovers chat the big fat rovers quiz um, which is on December the 23rd, where Joe Harvey and Court will be joined by Lancashire Telegraph, Lanx Live and BRFCS, as well as um, a few very special guests. From us, though, that's your lot. Thanks for watching and goodbye. The Rovers Chat YouTube channel is proudly sponsored by SixYardsOut.com. They've got retro football from every era with mugs, phone cases and much more. They also have plenty of Rovers goods, including apparel with the famous 94-95 season and this season's kit. Check them out using the link in the description below. Girl, so alluring.